What's up, Packers fans? This is the G-Spot Packers Podcast. Got Paul and Brian here hosting for you. We're going to discuss the crushing loss that we just had against the Seahawks. Going to get ready for a divisional trip across the Mississippi to play the Vikings. So if you like what you hear, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or CastBox. But anyways, we came up short in Seattle again. You know, in a vacuum, if you told me at the beginning of the season that we'd lose a close game, three points, as a visiting team on a short week, on a Thursday game, with a long trip to Seattle in a tough environment, you know, I say, okay, that's a game we can lose. Probably will. It's fine. But when you take that seal and you break it, uh, break that vacuum and all that context of this season rushes in, we have another total heartbreaker. Yeah, it's just another game that was very close at the end and we just couldn't finish. I mean, it couldn't have started any better for us, especially for the defense getting the turnover um, and then following that up with a quick score. Then the defense continued to play well, having two three and outs of the next three drives. And really, it was only a play to Rashad Penny that, you know, got enough yards for them to get in field goal range and for them to get their first field goal. Yeah, and I I started this game out so giddy, especially after that first play and then that first touchdown, and that continued through that second drive up until that miss by Crosby, which I think was more on Hunter Bradley than anyone. But then that camera panned over that stadium, and I remembered where we were, and I just got a bad feeling. Yeah, I know. And for me, the biggest thing to start the game when I know I was starting to feel uh, kind of worried about the game was the fourth drive when uh, we were up 14 to three. We'd missed a field goal, but we did score two touchdowns and we go three and out with good field position. I'm like, man, that was a really good chance to really kind of end it and put the game away early and just kind of coast from there. And we went three and out and kind of gave them some life. And then in this entire second half, what really kind of put an end to us was only scoring three points. And we definitely, the defense again, started the second half, not as good as the first half, but had a great start. The first three drives for Seattle, they all started inside the 20 or on the 20. And we forced two three and outs on those. And we had two great uh, uh, starting field position for the Packers. And we did nothing with them, went three and out. Unbelievable that we would crash so hard again in that second half. We only had three first downs the whole damn time, 10 points, and we stopped running the ball. To me, that's really where it starts is by not running the ball. Yeah, especially this season, our offense, that's the way it works now. We run the ball and then we use play action. That's when the offense seemed to be moving along well. They did... Um, try and run the ball they gave Aaron Jones multiple opportunities on each of the drives um, during the second half but different things killed it maybe in hindsight um, we give Aaron Jones the ball instead of letting Rodgers get sacked on a bunch of those third downs in the second half yeah I don't know if it's Rodgers if it's McCarthy if it's Philbin if it's both all three any combination I don't know but how can this happen How can this just keep happening? I'm not sure about for the whole season. I'm sure it's a lot of different things, but definitely for this game, um, I think it was the sacks on Rodgers that really killed drives and prevent us from uh, having more chances. And then the penalties, especially 
the penalty this time. Uh, Aaron Jones runs for 18 yards, and uh, ESB gets a penalty for blocking the back. Things like that. And I think for McCarthy and Rodgers, it's panic. And when it comes down to crunch time, they revert back to what has worked in the past, and that's throwing the ball. Yeah. Hopefully they can figure something out and maybe go back and re- spark something of that past success because we need we need something different to happen. But looking at some positives from this game, there were some good individual games. Um, you know, Rodgers, at least on paper, was good. We can debate how great he actually was. Um, Devontae Adams, he had a great game. Aaron Jones had a great game. And then Robert Tanyan comes out of nowhere. And it was really just that one catch, but it was a spectacular catch. Yeah, and as you mentioned, I think I agree with Rodgers. is a very good day, um, especially with the wide receivers he's had and the struggles um, he's had playing Seattle. But again, you see taking sacks, uh, missing a couple throws. That's just something we're not used to seeing with Rodgers. Um, Devontae Adams was just a beast, showing that he is one of the best receivers in the game and proving it against a tough defense. Aaron Jones, I mean, doing what he's been doing for the past couple weeks, but this time he added in some uh, pass-catching plays, and I thought that was something we should really use and uh, kind of get some more of it as the season goes on. And Tanya, that was that was just a great play. Loved it. Had me up and jumping around thinking we're going to win the game. Yeah, definitely. Me too. So also on defense, we got to give shouts out to Clay Matthews, who had a really good game after we called him out. So we're going to take credit for that one too. Kenny Clark, as always, I think we mentioned him every single week for having an amazing game. Dean Lowry also had a pretty good game. And Kyler Fackrell, a.k.a. Kyler Sackrell, came out and had three sacks this game. Yeah, it was a pretty amazing game by this defense all around, and I think uh, Clay Matthews, good game after we called him out, um, you know, getting a splash play too. And, I mean, we're on a roll kind of calling people out, so I don't know who we're going to call it this week, but uh, we got to pick somebody. Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) And uh, Kenny Clark, as always, I mean, he's played great. He deserves to make at least the Pro Bowl this year. I think think he's uh, played like an all-pro this season. Dean Lowry, Lowry, I'm very happy he stepped up and has played um, better than expected in place of Muhammad Wilkerson. And Fackrell, man, I don't know. It's, I was thinking of it more as a joke to start the season with him leading the team in sacks, but more and more he keeps getting better and making more and more plays, so uh, hopefully he continues. He's been great, and it's just one of those things. I still don't know if I quite fully believe, but I'm – Certainly starting to believe in him. Yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, this is his second three, three sack game. So I don't think it's a fluke anymore. I was especially impressed that he had uh, a lot of tackles for loss on running plays as well, not just a couple uh, good pass rushing plays. Yeah, give me a couple more games and I'm going to be a full believer. But with those great games, we had some duds. Uh, for as much as we've talked, Marquez Valdez Scantling up. He was invisible this game. And not only was he invisible, uh, pro football focus, they graded him as the worst guy on offense at uh, 44.5. So apparently he did some some other stuff, some bad routes and everything to earn that grade. Uh, Raven Green, also uh, a week after we uh, 
raved about him having a great game. He reminds everyone that he was an undrafted rookie. I think definitely in both these cases, you're looking at rookie growing pains, and that's just going to come. I mean, you got to take the splash plays and the good weeks, and you're going to have to have a few bad ones. And I think for both these guys, it was rough, but that's the way it's going to be. Hopefully just growing pains. So the defense started out hot for once. Uh, we called them out for that. And they they did. They listened to the podcast, and they decided that they're going to uh, be pretty hot. And they held up pretty well until the fourth, and the fourth it unraveled a bit. Yeah, and I don't think it's really fair to blame the defense because they played so well the rest of the game. To me, though, just the eye test with this team, things that are bothering me, it just doesn't look like a winning team. They do things that teams that win just don't do. Taking dumb penalties. I mean, the previous week we saw, you know, running into the kicker on a fourth and forever. Just costly mistakes and crunch time, and they just don't finish games. I mean, this is now a fourth game where we've gone. We've been in the fourth quarter where we're either winning or tied and we end up losing. That's just not something that you're accustomed to seeing with a Packers team with led by Mark McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it, it definitely seems to be quite unusual. So finally moving on to the injury front, it wasn't a great week. Uh, we had Jimmy Graham with a broken thumb and Mike Daniels with a foot injury. Yeah, and reports coming out so far is that Jimmy Graham is possibly going to try and play this week. Uh, Mike Daniels, on the other hand, is going to be out a couple weeks. Uh, as a result, I think we can look for a depth defensive lineman to be signed this week. Yeah, potentially. For Jimmy Graham, yeah, it does make you wonder, you know, if this was an offensive lineman you know, or even a blocking tight end, which Jimmy Graham is not, uh, you know, you'd, you'd think probably not a big deal, put a club on it and whatever. But to try and catch uh, passes with whatever cast that they're going to put on his broken thumb, hey, you know, how do you think that's going to go? It's going to take away his best asset. So uh, it's going to be tough for him, I think, especially. We're going to need the other tight ends to step up. So, on to one of our favorite segments of the week. We know a fraction of what Mike McCarthy knows about football, but we're still going to second-guess him afterwards with the benefit of hindsight. I uh, Getting pretty smooth. I know, man. So, everyone wants to focus on that fourth down play. And I get it, but I'm not as upset about everyone else. I'm not sure if the one shot there on fourth and two especially after Rodgers completely fucks up and, and underthrows Marquez Valdez-Scantling there. I don't know if that's that much more likely of success than our defense shutting them down for three plays. We got to remember, this is Mike Pettin and his defense and not Capers. My big issue is Rodgers wasting those two timeouts on, in the second half He's done this several times. He's just trying to get this absolute perfect play set up completely perfectly and just waiting to the last second. So not only are we potentially getting these and not potentially we are getting these times where we got to blow a, a timeout in the second half, but even if it's snapped at this point, the defense can pin their ears back and just run at you. So I, I, I'm so frustrated with this. I'm so frustrated with them running, running the clock down. You know, 
with these timeouts that were wasted, we could have used the timeout to challenge that obvious bad uh, call on that catch. You know, don't want to blame the ref too much. It was a tough call. But in a slow motion replay, it was pretty obvious that it was not a catch. That would have completely changed the game. And we could have used those timeouts to give the defense not just one crack uh, at stopping them, but we could have given them two cracks at stopping them. Yeah, and I'm going to piggyback off that. I think the fourth down bothers me a little more than you. Um, I wanted them to go for it only because we had that one timeout, and I still don't fully trust this defense. Um, but to to go off kind of a little bit off the Packers topic, I mean, like you're saying, it is a big gamble for that one play, and I was watching the Lions, like we were saying last week, we got to cheer for them. And uh, the Panthers had a chance to tie with an extra point, and uh, gambling riverboat Ron went for two, and they blew it, and game was over with a minute left. I mean, that's pretty much what we were staring down, but I think for me the biggest thing that I was unhappy about with this game is, uh, you know, the short passes we're looking on third down. And then at the end of the game, the last drive, same thing. The, the drive we had right before the second half, where we hit Aaron Jones for three passes out of the backfield on three of the five plays was just beautiful. The The Seahawks were, were daring us to throw it underneath, and we took that, moved the ball down, and scored a touchdown. And that's something this team's got to get uh, used to doing. And I think it's just something that McCarthy and, and or Aaron Rodgers needs to admit and realize that that's the new identity of this team. Yeah. So one more big issue that I have, you know, everyone is lauding Aaron Rodgers, his only one interception this year saying how amazing of a season he's having. Cause he's only has one interception. Honestly, I think it's a bad thing. And just, just listen to me for a second, you know, audience before you, before you just jump on me and tell me I'm, I'm an idiot, you know, five thirty eight ran this article a few 30, a few years back, Nate Silver was, had this theory that I think holds weight that if you're not taking enough good risks, you're not actually maximizing your potential. So Aaron Rodgers, he's holding onto this ball too long. He's tied six for sacks. And as a point, the five uh, teams above them, they, we have by far the best offensive line of any of those teams. So what's better taking a big sack on third down to kill a drive guaranteeing you lose 10 yards and then you got to punt or, you know, giving some 50, 50 ball to Devante, Jimmy Graham, 30 yards down the field. Yeah. Maybe yard for yard on that. You know, you could say, well, you can get more with a punt, but you're still completely giving up when you take that sack instead of throwing, throwing this ball that might get caught by Devante Adams. Maybe it gets caught by the defender too, but maybe it's a big ass play. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. I'd like to see a little more risky plays. Uh, for you audience out there, free, feel free to follow us on Twitter and send all your hate mail down there. And I don't know if it's because we both grew up uh, during the 90s loving the Packers then and watching Brett Favre do it all the time and always taking risks. That that's something that we just hold near and dear. But yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers needs to take a little time in the offseason, go down to Hattiesburg and you know, pick up a little bit more of Brett Favre's brain about when to chuck it up. Yeah, he spent some time down there this past offseason. Obviously not enough, though. But, you know, and I, I just want to say this, you know, 
saying anything bad about Aaron Rodgers is sacrilegious amongst Packer fans. But we're we're not saying that he's bad. We're not saying that whatever. You know, I still love Aaron Rodgers. He, I am so happy that we have Aaron Rodgers, even with this year with him not being on the complete top of his game. He's still, I'm so happy to have him. Now, with that said, though, if you're paying a guy to be the highest player in the league, and actually not by a small margin, he's the highest paid player in the league by a fairly substantial margin, a couple million dollars per year. And then when that guy is has the 19th best QBR in the league, you're going to have a bad time. Rodgers is great, and maybe he's the only guy who can hold out for these perfect plays and not take any big risks and still be all right. But as Voltaire says, perfection is the enemy of good. And Rodgers' greatness can't defeat math. It can't defeat statistics. If you're not taking these good risks, you're not maximizing your potential. Yeah, and I think it's the same reason why we uh, give Clay Matthews so much grief is because he's making so much money. I mean, he's not a bad defensive player. Just you got to give him on the scale of what you're paying him. And at this point in the season, it's not working, and the team needs to take some risks. And it's it's going to start with the quarterback. And when you see uh, quarterbacks, young quarterbacks like Golf and Mahomes, you know, on Monday Night Football, just slinging it around, and you're going to tell me that Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback out there, and we can barely move the ball passing? That's just not that's just not okay for with me at all. Yeah, last night's game definitely uh, seemed to be I mean it, it just it just was painful to watch them sling that around and we have the best guy and I'm not even going to say supposedly I firmly believe that Rodgers is the best quarterback out there but our offense is so sluggish so that kind of segues sitting here at four or five and one we're not where we thought we'd be Mike McCarthy is deservedly on the hot seat. And I just want to clarify, by blaming Rodgers, we are not excusing McCarthy. I think that he is being way too conservative, and he is not maximizing Rodgers' potential. So I'm not too keen on having a show about deciding if he's going to be fired now, and I'm definitely not about to talk about his potential replacements. But with that said, the elephant's in the room. What does he need to keep his job? What does he need to do keep keep his job? Yeah. At the extremes, I think we can all agree, if he misses the playoffs, he's gone. At the other extreme, this seems silly to talk about at this point and where we're at this season, but if we win the Super Bowl, he can stay. Not likely at this point, but he can definitely stay. But – what does he need to do to, in between there to keep his job? I don't think the answer is that he keeps his job with the first-round exit in the playoffs if we somehow make a wild-card game. Yeah, that'd be tough to swallow. Um, and again, going back to watching that just offensive masterpiece by both the Chiefs and the Rams, I mean, you can't say that the offense doesn't work because we've watched it with McCarthy in 2011 do the same thing. I mean, we just absolutely obliterated teams offensively and our defense was not very good. 
So I don't know what's broken or what it is, but yeah, I think I agree with the stance you took. I probably lean more to he stays um, as long as we make the playoffs and do a little something, but I don't know at this point. It's pretty tough to make the call. Personally, where I'm at is he has to, bare minimum, make the championship game. If, if, If the Packers lose in the wild card round or divisional round, I think we have to move on. But that's not my decision. That's not your decision. That's not anyone's decision. Listening to this, unless your name is Mark Murphy. And if you're listening, hey, what's up, man? <clears throat> Anyways, of all the problems that we have had and of all the grief and all the bitching and all the gnashing of teeth that we have done so far in this podcast, we're only one game back of the wild card. Yeah, unbelievably, we could get the sixth seed in the NFC this weekend if all things go right. And if we win out, we'll for sure make the playoffs. We hold our own destiny. And honestly, we probably still make the playoffs this year with one more loss at nine, six and one. We really don't want it to have to come to that. We don't really want any help keeping it in our own hands, but the exception will probably be losing this week to the Vikings against a wild card opponent will really hurt our chances. Yeah, that one and maybe the Falcons game uh, a few weeks down, those are the two that would really sting to lose, sting more than the others. Uh, But really just about every game is super important at this point. And brings us to this game. Yeah, for the third, fourth, I don't know how many games in a row, we're having a not quite must win, but kind of must win game. At least it feels like it. Uh, obviously not the case since we have lost several of those games and we're still in it. Uh, but that's thanks to some other uh, things happening that help us in other games. This is uh, not only a division rival that we're facing, but more important. Importantly, at this point in the season and at this point in the standings, this is a wild card rival. So this is going to be a tough environment against a good opponent, but also an opponent opponent who has underachieved this year compared to expectations. Yeah, and I think for me, this is a big game, and I think it is a must win. Um, this team needs to get their act together and figure it out. And as you said, the Vikings have underachieved. I think we've got two teams coming in that are looking for their path and looking for something to head them right in the right direction to make the playoffs. And one of the teams has got to step up. Winner of this takes a driver's seat. Packers need to win this this game. We played them tough the first time. It ended in a horrible, disappointing tie. And this time we really, really, really need that W. Yeah, so this underachieving team, tell me about their offense. Yes, offense, they spent all this money on Kirk Cousins, hoping this offense would be more explosive. But so far through this season, they've been very average statistically. Um, Their rushing attacks led by Latavius Murray, surprisingly. Dalvin Cook's been a little nicked up. Yeah, I can't believe that with these guys, Latavius Murray, the big signing they have, and Dalvin Cook, their second-round draft pick, who people were lauding as being this amazing pick, they're 31st in rushing. How the hell is that happening? Yeah, I mean, I assumed if you listen to the first podcast, uh, I said that they were going to have a strong rushing attack and that was going to be their strength. It's obviously now a weakness. 
Uh, moving on to the receiving core, though, Adam Thielen has continued his just uh, meteoric rise to being one of the top receivers and continues to. He's also uh, joined by Stephon Diggs and uh, Laquan Treadwell, who we bashed in week one, or week two, and he was able to catch his first touchdown pass. Rounding out the offense, Kyle Rudolph is their tight end, a very solid, great pass catching option. Yeah, Laquan Treadwell seems to have actually caught a little bit of a stride, definitely not first round worthy stride. I remember after his first year, I sent out a video to us and a, a, a few of our friends where somebody put together Laquan Treadwell rookie year highlights. There's Laquan motherfucking Treadwell, and it shows this one catch and then it cuts out. So I thought that was hilarious. Unfortunately, he's getting a little bit better. Not too much, though. Anyways, uh, they have an offense that can put up points, has been kind of inconsistent. We've got a fast start on defense last week, so hopefully we can get a complete game together with Petten's crew and shut that uh, inconsistent offense down. Their defense, though, uh, they were supposed to be elite at the beginning of the season. It looked early like that might not be the case, but they're kind of bringing it together of late. Yeah, they definitely look to be a disappointment uh, to start the season, but they're starting to really solidify and become a good unit. They're led on defense, especially by Daniil Hunter, who's got 11 and a half sacks. Um, Everson Griffin, Sheldon Richardson, and Lindenville Joseph. Join them on the defensive line. All of them have good pass rush ability and make a lot of plays. The linebacking core, as we mentioned in week two, is led by uh, Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr. We'll be looking to probably uh, contain Anthony Barr again, as we all know how uh, he broke Aaron Rodgers' collarbone uh, last year. Anthony Barr, public enemy number one. But this does round up out a pretty scary front seven. Yeah, the secondary definitely is not as formidable as people thought. Um, they do have Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes. They lost uh, Mike Hughes, their rookie that was having a pretty good season uh, to injury. He's now on IR. For me, though, it's always led by Harrison Smith. He's one of the better safeties in the league, and his uh, running mate safety, Andrew Sunday, who's also a pretty good player. Their defense is 11th in scoring, and they're right around 5th ranking in yards in both passing and rushing and total yards. It's going to be tough for our offense to finally get on track against this defense, but, oh boy, would it be so much sweeter if they did. So anyways, now it's that time to take a look at the playoff picture. It's definitely earlier than we'd like to look at the playoff picture, but early missteps have given us that very small margin of error. So fortunately, though, other wild card contenders have had some mid-step missteps too. Yeah, thank God or we'd be talking about the draft now. It's really the only reason we still have hope to make the playoffs. I'm not quite ready to talk about that draft. So while we lost last week, we also had some other teams lose too that definitely helped us out. The Falcons lost, the Panthers lost, the Eagles lost, and the Vikings lost. Yeah, not the way you want it, uh, especially with Washington going down and they lose Alex Smith to a horrific leg injury. 33 years to the day from Joe Theismann. Just saw on Twitter uh, yesterday, too, it's a spiral fracture. That's really 
really disappointing to see. Yeah, I follow uh, uh, Dr. David Chow, Pro Football Doc, on Twitter. Uh, he's a great follow. Uh, for anyone who doesn't follow him, you should. He does seem to think that he'll be fine next year, but his season is over. And like like we said, that's not how you want to get it. But you know, when it comes down to it, injuries happen in the league, and doesn't look like Washington's going to go much further this season without him. So, anyways, looking at this week, as we've said in the past, we aren't going to catch the Rams. We aren't going to catch the Saints. We've got a few teams ahead of us that we can uh, catch. So, who do we need to root against this week, Brian? Well, this week, all the teams that um, are ahead of us somehow happen to play each other. So, we've got a game where Washington's playing Dallas. Um, I think this week we want Washington to win. Um, Then we have game number two. We have Carolina playing Seattle. Um, If Carolina wins and Washington wins, we slide into that sixth seed. Looking at just for this week, that helps us make the playoffs. For good measure, we're going to throw in a win from the Lions on Thanksgiving Day over the Bears. And, uh, you know, if you do follow the NFC North, the Lions probably play the hardest on Thanksgiving. So the Bears will have a tough outing. Yeah. We don't really want to get start thinking about the division right now because we're in such a bad spot. But, you know, it's always good when the division leader would go down. And, as we mentioned last week, We want the Lions to get a shittier draft pick, so let's go Detroit. So wrapping up this week, we got our favorite segment of the week, our hot cheddar hot takes of the week. So for my mild cheddar hot take of the week, I'm going to say that Marquez Valdez-Scantling gets back on track, continues his great rookie year despite the blip in last week, and he has a five-reception game. I'm going to go with another young guy, uh, you know, continuing to improve. I'm going to go with Tanya and gets his second touchdown. That'd be great with Jimmy Graham hurt. Moving on to our warm, squeaky cheese curds, hot takes of the week. I'm going to say that Kyle Frackrell continues his breakout season with another sack and a pass defended. That would be pretty good because I'm hoping – on my squeaky cheese curds that the defense holds Adam Thielen to under 50 yards and no touchdowns this week. That'd be good. Moving on to our final habanero, habanero queso hot takes of the week. We got Rogers finding that proper level of risk. And despite throwing one interception, this game his second of the season. He throws four touchdowns, no sacks, and no wasted second half timeouts. Man, I would love to see him just burn the Vikings off that. For me, it's going to be similar to last week for me. I think the defense gets a touchdown against this Vikings offense, and uh, Trevor Davis gets us that special teams touchdown we've been looking for all season. All right, so that adds up a total of six between Rodgers, the defense, and special teams. We're going to give Aaron Jones any touchdowns too? Ah, why not? Throw him in a few. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. All right, so we'll wrap it up with our predictions. Obviously, we're going to predict the Packers win, but how do they do it? This game is at a crossroads for the season. The Packers have found their galvanizing moment. They bring a tough fight to Minnesota, and they secure the sixth seed in the NFC this week. 
That sounds great. Let's do it. Get that galvanizing moment. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the G-Spot Packers podcast. Please subscribe if you liked it. Again, Google Play, CastBox, and, of course, iTunes. If you really liked it, share this with your friends and colleagues. And as always, Go Pack Go!